Greetings, Game Cola faithful, and welcome to the Game Cola podcast. This is podcast number 48. With me... T- whoa! Oh, whoa, whoa, 48. How are- We're almost at 50. And here today with me is uh, Nathaniel Hoover and Michael Gray. Everyone introduce yourselves. I'm Michael Gray. Hey, I'm Nathaniel Hoover. I love Mega Man. Oh, you're Man. such a liar. <laughs> you guys. Yep, we're the guys. <laughs> um, couldn't think of a good comment for that. <laughs> yes. Okay, so do we have any discussion topics or? Okay, uh, I do have a topic to bring up for a second. Uh, okay. To do a bit of advertisement, Game Cola's tenth anniversary is coming up. Whoa, or possibly has already passed, depending on when you listen to this. <laughs> no, th- this one should be released before <laughs> before the actual event occurs. But see, at the rate that I listen to podcasts, I think it just was the turn of the century. <laughs> uh, what is it? Sunday, April 22nd, 10 years, 10 hours, 10 a.m., the 10th anniversary Podtacular. We're going to be doing a live 10-hour podcast Sunday, April 22nd, uh, in celebration of our 10th anniversary. How many people have signed up so far, uh, Jetty? Uh, a whole bunch. I don't have the list in front of me, actually. Uh, let's see. Uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9... 10. And, although there's only 10 at the moment, if any of our wonderful listeners uh, would like to call in between 5 and 6 p.m. EST on uh, Sunday... EDT. EDT, <laughs> Anyway, between 5 and 6 p.m. on the East Coast... Eastern. <laughs> uh, on Sunday, April 22nd, if anyone wants to uh, email me podcast at gamecola.net your Skype uh, name or your phone number so that we can call you. Uh, There's going to be Game Cola Faithful Power Hour, where we call our wonderful listeners and talk to them for that hour. We've clearly thought this through. Yes. Are you guys planning on doing anything special for the 10th anniversary of uh, Game Cola besides the... uh podcast tacular uh there has been some words thrown about about having a uh, video collaboration there have been some words thrown about but there's no been no 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 been <laughs> been no interest for grammar no nope. or speaking i was thinking about doing a special um the 10 reasons which was a column i used to write oh yeah and then i stole from you for a little bit yeah yeah, yeah. i remember the 10 reasons you seem less excited about that Oh, I know. Well, yes, I do remember the ten reasons, but I was mixing it up with uh, Inside the Guide. Because I was thinking about the squirrel with Mario coming out of its head. Mm-hmm. But that was uh, that was a different old-school column that you had going. Yeah. So in 2008, I wrote a uh, ten reasons with my friend Marianne, and she won, like, best guest mm-hmm. writer of the year. That's true. So I was thinking about trying to track her down and write another long ten reasons with her. Because, uh-huh. you know... 10th anniversary of Game Cola, 10 reasons. Yes. But what what topic should we write about? Because obviously we can't write about Super Smash Brothers Brawl 2. Uh, Final Fantasy 10. I don't think I've played that or her. You got time. <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, wait, is Dragon Warrior 10 or Dragon Quest 10? Is that is that a thing? Has it come out? I don't know. Maybe I was thinking maybe the top ten reasons to own a Wii because I think that's the only system she and I have in common. <laughs> the top ten reasons to read Game Cola. There yes. you go. 
But I want this to be an actually, you know, an <laughs> article which is more than just 50 words long. <laughs> oh! Yikes. I hurt on behalf of the whole staff. <laughs> and those who refuse to acknowledge themselves as former staff members and participate in our podcast. Yeah. Where is everybody? Although, actually, we do have uh, a couple people uh, from old school Game Cola. I mean, there's Matt Gardner and Eric Reagan, and then uh, Sean Seckenheim. Podtacular, pod, uh, whatever. <laughs> You're not trying very hard, are you? Maybe. Um, so, Nathaniel, uh, you, ha- oh. you, you had some topics, did you not? I did indeed. I brought three topics to the table. We may or may not get through them, but the first one that I was curious to hear some opinions on was, how does your taste in games now compare to your taste in games when you first started playing? Alternately, are you playing the same games now that you did back then? Pretty much. And not even just the same types of games, but the same games exactly. Such as? Uh, Dragon Warrior. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Crystalis, actually. I've been doing a, a Let's Play for Crystalis uh, in the past couple of weeks. It's pronounced Crystalis, no, but I'll let it slide. No, it's not. <laughs> you lie. What we need, one more disagreement in pronunciation here at Game Cola. Yes. Uh, Fizanadu? <laughs> uh, apparently that's how it's actually pronounced. I've always pronounced it Faxanadu, but apparently, according to Wikipedia... Uh, it's Fazanadu. I have no comments because I've never actually touched an SNES. Which is fantastic because it's for the NES. Oh. Really? Yes. Yeah. Fazanadu is for the NES. Well, what about the other game he mentioned? Crystalis? Crystalis. For the yeah. Game Boy. Oh. No. Also NES. No, yeah, it was originally on the NES. They, oh. made, a, they made a Game Boy Color re-release, but still not Super Nintendo. So which one was the one you liked more, the Game Boy Color or the NES one? Ah, okay. So for those of you, and actually, Jetty, have you played the Game Boy? I have have not, surprisingly. You would think as much of a fan as I am, but, you know. Yeah, so we've got two huge Crystalis Crystalis fans here, and just a little bit of background if you've never heard of this game, and shame on you. Where do you come up with this pronunciation? It's how it's always been. It's It's on Wikipedia. To be fair. The uh, one of my friends in elementary school, we played through Final Fantasy. He pronounced ogres as orgs, so you know where I'm coming from. Anyhow, so Crystalis, Crystalis is a top-down RPG, sort of along the same gameplay feel, a little bit like Legend of Zelda, more like the uh, the Super Nintendo one than the original NES. But you are this guy who wakes up from this sleep chamber, and you've got nothing. And then you pick up a sword, and you're the destined hero, and you pick up another sword, and you pick up all these elemental swords, and you go save the world from the evil emperor, and there's lots of cool fantasy stuff. And magic and experience leveling up and live-action And one of live the gameplay. best trick endings of any game ever. Oh, yeah, don't spoil it for it. Don't spoil it I, for me, because I have been meaning to pick up and play this game ever since um, Nathaniel reviewed it, and he reviewed it very highly. Yes, Although not on Game Cola, actually. This was on my blog, Expanding Your Horizons. I did, uh-huh. I did like this? that your review is posted on the exact same date as my review that I posted. Although, to be fair, it's posted on the end day. Yes. So that's the game with the end day. Okay. Yes. The, yes. The game that so boldly proclaims the end of the world. In 1998. Seven. Seven? Yep. Oh, yeah, that's right. Never mind. Sorry. We've posted in 08, so I assumed it was ten years, but never mind. Oh, that was the year Hercules came out. Ah, yes, the anchor for all of our time in life, Disney movie. (laughs) 
So anyhow, we were talking about this wonderful game, and the, the Game Boy release of Crystallis is largely the same game. They decided to do some graphical, quote-unquote, upgrades, uh, just adding more flavor, random objects sort of scattered around the, the battlefields, and they revamped some of the dialogue, so there's actually a little bit more character in the dialogue. And so you can actually but, tell where you're going. Yeah, there's a little bit more of that, too. Uh, but the issue that I had with it, first of all, the screen, the viewing area, the playing area, is a little bit smaller. So you run into enemies that normally you would have seen coming uh, from a little farther away. So the game is a little bit more difficult, and the music and sound effects are really kind of grating. They just throw out the entire wonderful, catchy toe-tapping tunes, and it just... It, it's tough to listen to. Really? And I had a couple other issues with it here and there. But, I mean, there were there were a couple of good things that were really neat about it. It's worth playing if you're a hardcore fan. But if you're not a hardcore fan, totally skip it and just play the NES game. You can always watch my uh, Let's Play that will be coming out eventually. Yaha. Uh-huh. And where will we be able to find this Let's Play? On the Game Cola YouTube channel. Whoa! I know, like... But the thing is, is that anyone listening to this podcast probably comes from the YouTube channel, so it's not really worth explaining. GC.net. With word, with the word dot and the word net. I am an iTunes subscriber. Really? Mm-hmm. Have you voted for us and commented or re- reviewed or whatever? I have tried to vote for you guys. I know I managed to do it once, but please explain the process for those of us who don't remember. I don't know. Ask Paul. Oh, <laughs> wow. I think you go on iTunes and you search for Game Cola, and then you vote for us. Oh, I have six applications which can be upgraded. I'm going to do this now, but <laughs> if that's it for uh, Crystallis, yeah. or... Um, Crystallis. Crystallis, yes. Chrysanadu. I- <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a game. I had a question. Um, this is something that came up while... I don't remember the number of the podcast where we had the cast of Turnabout Musical. Yeah, number 42 and 43 or something. Mm-hmm. So anyway, we were talking. Um, I remember the girl volunteered to play um, Paul's Beard <laughs> in the game musical. Yes. And that's my question is, is it possible for a man to have a female beard? Huh. Why not? I mean, do beards necessarily have to have a, a male gender? Interesting. We'll see. Paul and I have been discussing uh, Beardmaster Legend of the Seven Beards, mm-hmm. and we have been discussing how to make it so that uh, we can have the female Game Cola staff members in the game as well, if we're going to be equipping the beards. Well, I thought that, you know, one level could be where our hero is sent to, say, like, the Amazon. You know, like the Amazons, you know, the all-female warrior tribe, and he gets sent there. And well, you've played Crystallis. We know who the Amazons are. <laughs> yeah. I have not played Crystallis. Crystallis. It's like, well, where am I going to find a beard in this land of all women? And that would be that would be the big twist. Yes, well, of course, there's the bearded lady. I forgot how I resolved the twist. This was just something that came up in my mind recently. Actually, uh, I think the solution that Paul and I came up with is that the main character is the beard master, who is the one who can use people's beards and use the power of the beard for his benefit, and everyone else is just a supporting character. Mm-hmm. Well, alternately, alternately, we could have something like where the main character's girlfriend is stolen by an evil pirate, but I realize that's probably like Monkey Island, <laughs> even though I've never played it. So, 
I just thought it'd be interesting, you know, where the main character, his beard all of a sudden starts talking to him and he gets freaked out. And then a pirate bursts in and saying, your beard isn't better than mine. Yar. And then she steals his girlfriend. <laughs> so wait, beards? Beard cola. Dot, beard. Dot net. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, you I need a brief description of this game. You've been on the podcast, and you have yet to hear of Beardmaster Legend of the Seven Beards? I seem to be out of all of the podcasts that I would actually be able to contribute anything worthwhile to. So it may or may not have come up. Oh. I don't remember. Uh, no, we've been tossing around the concept of having Game Cola the game. And uh, I believe it was Michael Gray actually suggested uh, Legend of the Seven Beards, a game in which you have to go collect the seven beards of the world and <laughs> uh, save the world from beardlessness or something. Maybe I was a part of this. I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah. But... Yeah, and one level is going to be Lario and Luigi, no. which are basically just Mario and Luigi. I couldn't tell. Yeah. But uh, there there have been some... That's in the planning phase, yeah. yeah. It's in the planning phase. phase. We're not sure what's going to happen next. I like the planning phrase. <laughs> what phrase do we use if we're planning? <laughs> so, uh, so Michael, I, I think we, we stopped at Jetty. Yeah. What's your taste in games like now compared to what it used to be when you first started playing? Um, It's completely changed as I've gotten older and I do not have as much free time to devote to games. I spend more time on casual games. I'm a casual gamer now. Um, Words with friends. Works with friends, yeah. I haven't played any games in a real long time. Anyway, uh, so Nathaniel, what? How how was your taste in games compared to when you started? It's expanded. It hasn't really changed. Has it ex- well, has it? Well, change, change, expansion has changed. Has but, it, I mean, it it's not radically different. Has it expanded? Oh. oh. So yes, as, as we were, I was mentioning the the geek blog. My friend and I run expanding your horizons. The the general concept being you expand people's horizons about fandoms. So it it makes sense like that. But anyhow, games that I used to play were all the NES classics that people know. Uh, Dragon Warrior, I also loved when I was growing up in the original Final Fantasy, oh. and Mega Man. Obviously, if anyone has ever read any of my articles, there's probably been a reference to Mega Man. If the, re- the article hasn't been about Mega Man, so I also played some of the classic RPGs. I used to love RPGs. I think that's the biggest change from when I was younger was that I was spoiled on all of the best RPGs, or at least what people generally consider to be classics. So original Dragon Warrior, original Final Fantasy, which I know some people would argue, you know, they have their issues, but Chrono Trigger, Earthbound. I got spoiled on good RPGs when I was younger, and I was saying that's the biggest change now that I'm older is that I find I've got so many games that I want to play and so many other things that I want to do that I can't really justify getting bogged down in any RPG that is an absolutely stellar. And so many of the RPGs that I've played in the past five, six years or so have had just lots of filler battles, yeah. not real sophisticated combat. It's just we're going to throw a bunch of stuff at you that you're just going to mash the attack button until they die. So I've been a little disappointed in that. So I don't play as many RPGs as I used to, but... It's always been about the platformers, a lot of times puzzle platformers, puzzle games, adventure games as well. So that general nebula of genre is by far my favorite. Also first-person shooters, though I also got spoiled on a couple of really good ones when I was younger and haven't been playing as many because 
it's all like guns and stuff. <laughs> but I mean, not like sci-fi guns, just regular guns. So I'm not, I'm not as big into that. Yes. I, uh, I've been playing more indie games than I did back in the NES days. As have I. If you can imagine. Were there really a lot of indie games during the SNES era? Well, there was like the horrible Indiana Jones game where you... Was it? Somebody pick up for me and make this funny. What I was going to say is, uh, there was... The one where, uh, Shia LaBeouf comes and swings on the vines. <laughs> there we go. That, that... I was going to say is, uh, there was that, like, Noah's Ark, like... Yeah, 3D. Yeah. Adventures. Yeah, 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 yeah. Are we talking about the 3D one that was like a... a what was Wolfenstein. It? Wolfenstein yeah. ripoff? If you want to talk about indie games for <laughs> classic systems. Uh, but no, uh, I don't know, I think that would be the only change, except that the types of games that I play are still the same anyway. I found myself playing, well, maybe not playing, but picking up, owning a couple more racing games, even though racing really just is not my forte to any degree. But I see a couple ones that are really quirky, like Lego Racers for the N64, and uh, the Star Wars Episode One Racer, also <laughs> for the N64, which is lots of fun. It's very fast and silly. You're fast and silly. I'm going to choose not to respond to that one. <laughs> so. I'm actually looking back through my backloggery, which I talk about excessively, because it's a wonderful way to keep track of my backlog and my collection of games, just to see if there's anything else in particular that uh, jumps out at me. Oh, Flash games. I play lots more Flash games than I ever used to. Now that you... But that's mostly because I write the Flash Flood column for Game Call. Yeah, I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Well, that's actually how it started, was I played a bunch of Flash games, and then I'm thinking, well, I could probably make a column out of this, because I play enough of these to have some. And so I just, anytime I found a game that was even remotely interesting to talk about, I just throw it into a document. And so I have a bunch of games that I haven't found enough of a theme to unite them, but someday they'll come out. Oh, in space shooters, because I got on a Gradius kit. <laughs> oh, wow. That's the thing. Like, when I was younger and, like, originally into games, I hated scrolling shooters like that. But then, for whatever reason, oh, that's right. I downloaded the music for Gradius, and I was like, mm-hmm. huh, this is actually pretty catchy. And so then I tried playing the game, and this was, like, three years ago. And I was like, dude, this is actually pretty cool. I can't say that I really, like, got into the genre, but uh, I at least had actually played one all the way through. Yeah, I'm really terrible at space shooters, but I the original Gradius for the NES is one of the first three video games I ever owned. And I had to use Game Genie to actually beat it, but it was tons of fun. And then I was same, sort of same deal. I got listening to some of the music of Gradius 2, and... I said, wow, this is really good. I like this. So I went on to um, uh, the, the Wii Shop channel to see what old games were there, and a whole bunch of Gradius, uh, Gradius 2 and 3 and Life Force and Gradius, is it Rebirth? Um, I was going to so say... I, I was just having a field day. I was at a friend's house recently, and a couple of games were scattered around on the floor, and I was like, really? Life Force? <laughs> like, <laughs> what is this doing here? <laughs> but podcast... Podcast. So my podcast. <laughs> um, I really um, my answer was that you know um, I've never I never played casual games when I was a kid, right. like um, hidden objects games. I would never touch those, and I play them now because what it's literally. Yes, what did you play? Before? I would say I would say um, 
I mean, like along the lines of what Nathaniel said, it's like, well, RPGs or something like that, although I never played RPGs. <laughs> I didn't really like them that much, but it's like I'm leaning towards the games that you can play for like 5 to 15 minutes, you know, at a time, and then maybe, you know, put the game aside and pick it up like two weeks later. So I found um, a lot of the casual games, which you can find on casual gaming sites. Um, also, the m- more recent Mario games, I think Super Mario Land 3D, I treat it like a casual game. Hmm. Because each, um, each, each, uh, what is it? Each world is like three, it's, it's, uh, I don't know how to describe it and I'm clearly failing here. It's like Super Mario Brothers 3, where it's like you have three minutes to beat the level, or 300 seconds. <laughs> no, there literally is a timer in the upper right-hand corner, which counts down from 300 to zero. And if you don't reach the end by the time it reaches zero, you automatically die. Sounds like fun. It does sound like fun, but I mean that's how I treat it like a casual game. It's like, okay, well I've got five minutes, I'll play two levels, and then that's it. Rather than um, playing for like three hours in a row on, let's say, um, platformers, I did Banjo Kazooie, um, Legend of Zelda. MC Kids was one of my favorite games. The McDonald's <laughs> NES game, believe it or not, that Yikes. was Yikes. that was one of my extreme favorites. Actually, when I first got into writing guides for video games, that's what I started out with. Was uh, I never knew how to pronounce it? If it's Mick Kids or MC Kids, I would assume it's supposed to be Mick Kids, but it Mizanadu. <laughs> Interestingly, but both the M and the C. Um, sometimes you see both the M and the C capitalized. Yeah. Sometimes you see M, period, C, period, space, kids. I'm like, what does the MC stand for then? Hammer, <laughs> as it always has. Yikes. Oh, okay. But uh, interestingly enough, uh, now that I'm getting into video game development and stuff, one of the uh, tutorials on how to do collision detection was actually written by one of the programmers for McKids, and like he explained... Uh, what it was that they did to make collision detection work properly. It was kind of interesting. I did read a report by him about um, Kids, and it, it is a very excellent game, but he says it sort of failed on the market. Surprisingly, um, oh. Well, no, they were expected, McDonald's was expected to actually, you know, promote the game, yeah. but then they didn't. And so they had no promotion budget for the game whatsoever, oh. and it died. Weird. Which I think usually happens when a game has no budget whatsoever to promote it. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody knows the game exists. True. DuckTales, that's also another game I played. I, I had um, oh. I had an NES and an N64, and those were the two systems I had. I was thinking about it a little more, an addendum to what I was saying before about how my taste in games has changed. Downloadable games are something that I never, ever would have considered. On the NES. <laughs> On the NES. Uh, two or three years ago, but between Steam and the Virtual Console and WiiWare, the, just the whole Wii Shop channel, I've been playing a lot more games that, especially the the smaller indie games on Steam, um, and especially the old classics that are way too expensive and probably not in decent condition a lot of the time to go out and buy the original cartridges. Uh, I've been playing a lot of those games that I never would have thought of because I like, and I think I, I talked about this way back when we talked about what was it? Gamefly, GameTap, Game something or other. It was like way long ago, Podcast 10 or something like that. <laughs> but 
uh, I mentioned how I love having the, the tangible aspect of gaming, how I have my collection up on the shelf and it looks pretty and I can actually hold my cartridge and know that the memory isn't going to accidentally get wiped on my whole system and I just lose everything. But yeah. I'm gradually coming around to the idea of the ease and convenience of having everything just there and the hardware doesn't wear out. Yeah, and I can look at my backloggery if I want to look at a fancy collection. Yeah, like mm-hmm. uh, now that I go back and try to play games on the actual NES, and I literally, if I want to play Dragon Warrior Four, after about half an hour trying to get it to work, once I finally get it to work, I can't remove it if I want to play it again. <laughs> like, I will never, even if I were to get it back to playable, it will have erased all of my saves in the process. Uh. So. Yeah. Downloadable games. Yes. Downloadable games. They're very nice. Sometimes. So, but Sega that's Wings. where I usually get most of the uh, casual games. Most of the casual games are downloadable, actually, right. because I guess they're not big enough to fill up an entire CD. Actually, usually with the casual games, the, they try to have an upper limit of how large the game can be, say like 120 megabytes. I'm just making that up off the top of my head. Yeah. But I mean, they'll purposely cut out material if it goes above that. Hmm. So mm-hmm. this whole that's conversation... something I learned about from uh, Emerald City Confidential. Yeah, sorry. No, that's okay. I need to actually be assertive when I go insert comments places. I was going to say the, the whole conversation topic here, if we have nothing more to say about tasting games, segues into the next conversation topic that I had was, what is it about gaming that's kept you interested all this time, or why have you been losing interest in gaming? Because I see them as I, I see that as related to changing tastes in gaming yeah. or staying the same. Well, actually, uh, I would say that I don't play video games as much as I used to, even if I still play the same games. Uh, I used to be able to just sit and play games all day, every day, dog. Uh, and now, if I'm playing a video game for more than like 15 minutes, I'm I start being like, man, shouldn't I be? doing something else. I don't know. I still like games. I still enjoy games. I still play games on occasion. Although, usually, I make it into an excuse that I'm either reviewing the game for Game Cola, or I'm making a Let's Play, uh, or I'm doing it because this is, like, a new game, or, well, a game that's new to me, a game that I've never played before. Uh, but usually is still an old game, and I'm playing it because everyone else has played it, and everyone says it's good, and I've never played it before. So, I guess in a way, I don't know, I haven't really lost interest, but I still see games as they are, a waste of time, even if I <laughs> want to waste my time, and I can do that if I want. Yeah, I would say um, my interest in games hasn't changed, really. It's it's I think it's been around the same level my whole life, which is um, there never seem to be more than, say, like three games I buy in a year. So I've always never been a super gamer, if that, if I can use the term. See, I'm a horrible collector because I go to conventions where there, and I'm a retro gamer too, and those two things work together to get me lots and lots of cheap games. That's right. That I, I have never a big... get around to playing. I have a big package of games actually here in my desk, which um, I've, I've officially labeled as games, which I will never play again, but <laughs> I can't sell them at GameStop. I don't know what to do with these things. I've got a lot of old 
Game Boy Game Boy Color games too. Uh, there are people on staff who, and also commenters and viewers, who might want to take those off your hands. You know. I know. I I did see Jeff Day or ask him about it, and he said he lives in some magical land called Canada where it costs money to send things to. Wait, where? Canada? I I don't know. Uh, is this a real place? I mean, was he just making this up? I think he might have been joking a little bit, but... Hmm. Are you sure he doesn't mean, like, California or, like, you know... No, 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 no. Arkansas? Maybe. Um, wow, what is this? I'm well, just looking rate, through it... the games now. Mega Man, Mega Man 3 for the uh, Game Boy. Nathaniel, right. you're in charge of the Game Cola YouTube channel, right? Which, yeah. Which of the um, Mega Man, any, I mean, Game Boy games have I done walkthroughs for? You did one and two. I did not do number three? You have not done number... Oh, wait a second. Yes, you did. <laughs> you did number three. Oh, so that's why it's on my get rid of list, because I played it once. <laughs> I don't believe I watched that video series somehow. I I was getting caught up for a while, and then I got all married and stuff, and haven't been watching YouTube videos as much. So anyway, you have a pile of swag, and I think there's a really easy post in that. You just put up a post on GameCola, say, here's a whole bunch of games I'm willing to negotiate for a price, shipping, whatever. I'm just giving them away, or I'm leaving them on a box on my doorstep. Here's where <laughs> I live. Please don't stalk me. And you're, you're golden. All right. Oh, The Little Mermaid for the Game Boy. Do I really want to get rid of that one, though? I think it's it's useful. I heard the NES version was really difficult. Maybe the game wants to get rid of you. Whoa. Ooh, 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 ooh. Anyway, um... Didn't Bill and Sebastian win an award on the Game Cola year-end awards? For not being in the same game? <laughs> they were in the Disney uh, princess party. I don't know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yes. Sebastian. Everyone's favorite Disney princess. <laughs> so, uh... Oh, here's something. Here's an idea which I probably should send to Paul is, um... We've done the end of year awards for the past ten years, right? I guess probably. So why can't we? Why can't we for Game Cola's tenth anniversary do a special, you know, decade awards? Whoa, 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 whoa! Where you know all the game of the year winners are the nominees, and we get to decide what was the best game of the decade. Wow! Because we already have a nominees list but, and everything. But look out, because uh, the winner of the best new character of the decade. <laughs> The seagull. <laughs> I'm going to vote for the seagull from uh, Wind Waker, because that was a really good character. And since Paul's not here to complain, let's all just agree that we're going to vote for the seagull. Because if three people vote, I mean, you know that no one else is going to get three votes on the same character. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Paul. He doesn't listen to the podcast. No, hopefully he won't before the end of the year, at least. <laughs> okay, so I'll have to write that as an email to him. Yes, I, I fully support this uh, <laughs> character in the dick. Well, who else would you nominate as a great character that was invented in the past um, 10 years? So that would be after 2001. Yeah, because that's the thing is, like, you can't vote for... Mario yeah, or any right? yeah. Link. Uh, or Metroid or Halo. Metroid! I love that Metroid. He's such a great character. We could vote for Epic Mickey. <laughs> yeah, not regular old Mickey, but Epic Mickey. 
So, uh, Nathaniel, have you talked about how your gaming interest has changed? I have not. You guys just keep blabbing and don't let me get a word in. Well, yeah, I guess I get a word in Edgeworth all the time, but I don't talk about Phoenix Rising. Objection! Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It's in our contracts that we have to talk about either Phoenix Wright or Mega Man at some point. Yes. Uh, Capcom (laughs) has uh, underwritten everything we do, apparently. So, my gaming interest. I was actually so interested in video games when I was younger that it was, I mean, significantly younger, that it was kind of difficult for me to talk about other things (laughs) a lot of the time. My interests have since expanded. So I'm probably just as interested in games as I used to be, maybe a little bit less, just because I've got other things like anime, anime. I've got A-nime. television shows and movies that I'm... It's anime, thank you. Anime! It's anime. Oh, okay. Just like, just like that. <laughs> and you know, writing and YouTube videos and other things. So I have a broader range of interests than I used to, and... I talk about video games less, even though working, quote-unquote, you know, with the, the $4.59 of Google ad money that has yet to be distributed to the uh, the staff. Um, so, quote-unquote, working for GameCola <laughs> and uh, recording video game-related videos on YouTube has gotten me in a sort of perpetual video game mode on top of blogging about video games every so often. So... It's still something I talk about more often, but as far as just general interests go, it, it's it's still my favorite pastime, but I'm not as dedicated to gaming as I once was. By a little bit. A little. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. I like Christmas. Oh, yeah, uh-huh. and Santa Claus was going to be uh, one of the characters on the uh, Game Cola Beard RPG. That's right. Because Santa Claus's beard is awesome. I forgot about Santa Claus. And I think I think um, Paul mentioned Brian Wilson, who nobody knew the name of, but he's the pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, the one with the oh yeah fancy beard. I think we've also talked about a, a pirate, and of course, old man. Yeah, the pirate. You gotta have old, what? Old man. Old man, yes, the old man. Yes. Who is going to be the healer character? <laughs> and his attack is—he's going to have like the powerful attack, which takes like three moves to charge, though. Yes. Uh. No, this is a true story. Um, in our local newspaper for Halloween, they had a picture of the uh, baseball pitcher, just front page of the uh, sports section. They said, cut out his beard, and then that will be your Halloween costume. <laughs> <laughs> so you could actually cut out a picture of you know his beard for from the uh, newspaper. Okay, well, does anybody have um, – we have a third topic, do we? Yeah, a third topic that also sort of connects to everything we've been talking about. And it's it's multiple parts, so it's just sort of a, a general feel question. I'll, I'll just throw out a couple of individual questions that all sort of tie together and, and just respond to the general feel of the question. So, do okay. you see gaming as a lifelong hobby slash obsession slash whatever? Or is it really just for youngsters? Is it hip for adults to play video games? Should we encourage our children, hypothetical or real, to play the games we do? Aren't all our children hypothetical? I think Christian Porter has a kid. I seem no, to recall I, there I, being I mean just the three of us here. I'm hypothetical. Jetty, are you hypothetical? Hypothetically. Oh, okay. I think that the games children play are different from the games adults play. Depends on the age of the child. We have a lot of adults who act like children, though, so... I would say, uh, I mean, 
I don't have a problem with playing video games as an adult. And I think that a lot more games now are also targeted at adults, so I don't see why not. And I also don't see why children... Well, I guess that's also the debate, is the games we do uh, rated M for Mature, you know. You might want to use your uh, parental guidance as suggested. But the games that I do, I would encourage my kids to play Crystalis, and it's pronounced Crystalis, thank you. <laughs> I, I thought it was uh, Crystalis. Now you're just really <laughs> pushing it, bub. I'm sorry. I, is someone either typing maniacally or opening a bag of potato chips? I think someone's eating chips. No, that's me putting the um, games back into the little Ziploc baggie. <laughs> of potato chips. <laughs> and microchips. No, no, no. I, I took out all those games and looked at hey. them, and then I put them away. <laughs> It's like we're really there with you. <laughs> Mario and Luigi Superstar Saga. That was a nice game. This is the sound of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. I am definitely on board with getting my hypothetical future children to play the games that I played. I think it would be fantastic to raise, uh, not just me personally, because I don't want to be responsible for you know fathering the next generation of our country's children, but for the next generation of children to actually have an appreciation for the games that their parents played, and even the games that their older brothers and sisters played, because I've heard some scary things about, you know, people not knowing the roots. I had a summer day camp counselor once, <laughs> a summer day camp camper once as a counselor who I was asking them, you know, what's your favorite video game? And they said, Zelda. I'm like, great, which one? They said, the first one. I'm like, ah, the one that came in the gray cartridge for the little bo box? No, the N64. What? Like, oh, it's not history. So well, I understand how it must be like for people who care about, you know, actual Real world. I I, uh, I have the gold cartridge for Legend of Zelda NES. Yes, because it. Believe it or not. Gold cartridge. I should sell that for money. I've never actually played it. I just got it because it was a gold cartridge. And then... <laughs> I do remember that being like a reason to buy the game back in the day. Because the cartridge was a different color. Yeah. I'm looking forward to at least making some sort of an impact in the general consciousness about. The games Angry Birds, that at least. came before. Angry Birds, Angry Birds, yeah. Sure. People know what Angry Birds is. Even people who never play games. What's Angry Birds? It's a game where you have these birds that are angry. So, oh, that's so it's all like, the explanation anybody needs. So it's like Iago, the video game. <laughs> Jaffa! What are you doing? Oh, that's a horrible impersonation of uh, Iago. <laughs> Close enough. We must find this one, this diamond in the rough. <laughs> Which year was that one? That was 1996, wasn't it? I don't know. That sounds right. No, uh, Aladdin? Mate, no, no, it was sure. like 92. Who knows? I thought it was 96. Look, the reason I remember, the reason I remember the year that 
uh, Aladdin came out is because I got it on VHS for Christmas. And that same Christmas, I got Mario Paint. Mario Paint? Is that a video game? You've never played Mario Paint? It came with a mouse for the NES, or Super Super NES, sorry. Well, see, like I told you, I never had a Super NES. Oh, that's right. No, uh, it came with... Oh, it came with a mouse? That is so awesome! I know, right? It's crazy. And, uh, yeah, I got it the same time that I got Aladdin on VHS, and, uh, that would put it 92, 93, somewhere in there. Oh, Uh, yeah. Aladdin was much earlier than I thought. You are. Because, uh, I would have still been in New York, and we moved to New York in 95, so it's at least before that. Mm-hmm. And I want to say that it puts it before Final Fantasy III, which was 93. So, that's how I determine the age of video games. That's how you determine the age of video games. It could have been... In reference to uh, Disney movies. Basically. Carbon dating, cut them open, see the rings. <laughs> exactly. So, while we're speaking about it, It's age, like Sonic. Cut them open and see the rings? It's a joke. Anyway. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, there are rings in Sonic, right? Yes, yeah, Sonic is full of rings. Cut them open. Sega, what, what was the Sega Genesis? That was a game system that came out along with the Super Nintendo, right? I think. So that's why they I were had competitors. Them. I thought so, they were more partners in crime, oh, but yeah. I, I guess I was wrong. <laughs> so on the subject of age, the the other sort of part of the this, the general feel of this question is: we said it's it's okay to play adult to play adults as video games. <laughs> it's okay. That seems um, unfair. Oh, it's okay to play video games as adults. But is there a certain point, at least for yourselves, where you foresee yourselves really not being interested in video games anymore, or it just not being appropriate for you to play? I mean, we've, we've got um, the Wii that has attracted a huge crowd of people mm-hmm. on the younger and older side of the, the typical gaming crew. On the contrary, though, I think, um, you know, when I get much older, let's say 70 years from now, and I retire, I will finally have the free time to go (laughs) back and play all those longer (laughs) RPGs that I uh, skipped out on. So You'll have the patience to sit there and press A, 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 A. A, yeah. Video games. Actually, this seems like an appropriate time for listener mail. Yeah, how about it's that? It's in our mail, because we're near the end of the podcast, and I'll just keep on looking up these people. Yes. Uh, let's see. Okay. Uh, actually, somewhat of a while ago, I think I misplaced this email and then rediscovered it when I was looking for uh, listener mail. Uh, number one, how are unicorns born? I think their horn is an egg, and after they mate, they shed the horn and a baby unicorn hatches. Or maybe they shoot baby unicorns out of their horn like a cannon. What do unicorns eat? Do you like unicorns? What noises do you think they make? Unicorns are happy friends. Diane. Before we address this, which (laughs) is clearly inspired by My Little Pony. (laughs) Yes, yes, because they have unicorns on that program. Jenny, I think it's valuable to know how we got this listener mail. Or, in another phrasing... How would people get listener mail to us? If people wanted to send us listener mail such as this, or potentially or, other or topics other things, that please. actually have to do with video games and, you know, game cool. Anyway, uh, they could send us an email at podcast at gamecola.net. That's exciting. I'm excited about this. Okay, so here's unicorns. my thing. I think unicorns are actually born without a horn, and they grow it 
you know, when they're, say, four years old. Now, I've, I'm mentioning this because I think it might be possible for a unicorn to regrow their horn once you actually cut it off. I don't know where I got that impression, but, I mean, that was the impression I got. Probably probably from Harry Potter somewhere, because unicorn horn um, can be used as part of a potion or a, a wand or something like that. I'm going to have to look this up. Yes, unicorns are happy friends. I think we. Are you sure they're happy? Because I think we've seen. I am. Um, has anybody seen any of the angry unicorns? Uh, you mean like oh. Charlie? No, I meant more like um in the final Chronicles of Narnia book, where I think one of the pictures or one of the discussions. Yeah, maybe there's a picture of a unicorn as one of the uh, chapter pictures, and I think it was um a graphic picture of the unicorn goring somebody with its horn. <laughs> I'm not joking. That actually happens in the book. Well, if you've played Heroes of Might and Magic 3, and I believe some of the other Heroes of Might and Magic games, uh, you can also send unicorns into battle and puncture your foes. It's exciting. Sounds cool. Like many okay. things on this podcast. So according to the Harry Potter wiki, various parts of the unicorn, the horn, and tail hair in particular, are used in potions and for the cores of wands, respectively. So, I mean, I don't think they would use unicorn horns if the horns did not grow back, because that would be very... Yeah, well, don't they talk about, like, killing a unicorn That would be is... cruel, yeah. Like, yeah. Killing a unicorn is very bad, and that's in the first, first Maybe they... book slash movie where the evil bad guy drinks unicorn blood. Does he become a vampire? No. Like a unicorn vampire? No, 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 that's the guy in um, the uh, fourth movie who dies in fourth one, and then he becomes a glittery vampire. <laughs> so uh, on to the second email that we received. Well, no, 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 who thinks about unicorns being born from eggs? No way. No. Way? Way? What do you mean way? Horses aren't born from Nathan. eggs, are they? Nathan. Unicorns aren't horses, they're unicorns. They're horses with, like, you know, little horns attached to the front. Nathan, we're not listening to your opinion because you mispronounce crystallis. We never listen to my opinion. What else is new? <laughs> Mail number two. <laughs> okay. Uh, repeat emailer Ytag emails us, I saw in my local GameStop a Duke Nukem Balls of Steel edition and laughed to see how far it had fallen. Originally $70, now 20 I was wondering if you guys knew of any games that were supposed to be top-notch, critically acclaimed games that simply flopped. I guess my fascination with this subject can only be summed up in a quote from Bioshock 2. I do love Siren Alley, the kind of place you go to scratch a niche you're ashamed of, even in a town with no laws. But that's not why I favor it. The place started out as the Mason's Quarter, all builder and architects, proper as you please. And it just tickles me when someone in a fancy hat falls in the mud. <laughs> so what what did that have to do with critically acclaimed games that simply flopped? Um, I think we talked about this on an earlier podcast, uh, Metroid Other M, which came out at like 60, and now the prices dropped to, say, 7 <laughs> $7 they will pay you to take it? It's less, the price is actually like $2 less than um, the Wii Metroid game, which Nathaniel would probably know the name of. Metroid Prime 3? Echoes? Yes. Corruption. Echoes Cor is the second one. Okay, Duh. okay. I'm sorry. Young woman with a unicorn. 
drawn by Raphael in the year 1506. The Ninja Turtle? And this is clearly a, a young unicorn, too. So, yeah, Raphael the Ninja Turtle believes that unicorns can be uh, baby unicorns. How about that? So, so yeah, um, uh, pod- people podcast. thought we were going to be awesome and weren't. Mass Effect 3 is ending. Everyone keeps talking Which about it. Which we can't talk about because Colin isn't here. I haven't played the game. I don't know what Mass Effect 3 is. Well, I we think can't it's talk about, about going to church, So, but I could be wrong. Yes. What effect does Mass have on people? <laughs> An unexpected effect. That was my homily this Tuesday. <laughs> yeah? <laughs> yeah. Because I was going to say, if anyone would know about the Mass Effect, you should, Michael. It was expect the unexpected, and a personal encounter with Jesus Christ causes unexpected um, reactions from people. People start acting in a way you would not expect them to. Interesting. So there, there's your answer. How about that? And, and it, it, it tied in with the readings for the day, which was the healing of the man at Siloe. Wow. So anyway, wait, 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 uh, wait, wait, yeah. Wait. You actually talk about video games in church? I don't talk about video games. I've been meaning to, like work in Final Fantasy um, The Four Heroes of Light <laughs> because I have a good example from that, which is um, one of my problems with this game, which I really should um, write about someday, is the fact that the healing system is broken. Is it? So, I mean, you have four characters and you say you your character, you tell your character to do a healing spell, but the game automatically decides which of the four characters the healing spell is going to be cast on. Yikes. Yeah, so obviously, you know, what happens is, um... The person that... What happened was, yeah. Went to be healed, dies. Yeah, no, no, no. It, he, it heals the character who has, you know, eight hit points, you know, eight hit points damage, as opposed to healing the one with, like, 40 hit point damage. Yeah. And no, the one time um, when I found it was most broken was when... Let me see. The first character took their turn and attacked the boss. The boss killed character number two... And then they cast the healing spell on character number two. Yes. After the character already died. Yes. Yeah. And somehow I was going to work that into a homily about having to help people who most need your help rather than being stupid and <laughs> healing somebody who doesn't need your help. That actually is a good point. Yeah. So anyway, so are we... yeah, video games which fell horribly. Um, Epic Mickey apparently. Was not that epic. It's. The camera was really, really bad, that's all. But it was... The camera was very unepic. The camera didn't work very well. The camera was not epic. But um, <laughs> all the cutscenes were epic. Um, and the, the mood, I guess, if you want to use that word, was very epic. It's a very stylized game. It gave you a really creepy, um, uneasy feeling. Gives me a creepy... I, you beat me to it. Oh, were you going to make that joke? <laughs> yes, I, that's exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> wow, okay. We are the best podcasters. <laughs> or at least we say we are. We pretend like it. See, had we actually started singing in unison, and then one of us spontaneously split into harmony, because yes. we figured out what the other one was doing, then we would be the best ever. It's true. I can't sing, though, sadly. It sounded fun to me. <laughs> so are we moving on to the third email? Sure, third email. sure. Unless anybody has any other games which epically failed. Nathaniel? 
I act like I play video games. <laughs> Next. List of commercial failures in video gaming. Actually, Wikipedia has a list. Weren't we just talking about McKids, MC Kids? Yeah. Interesting. Beyond Good and Evil. That was a fail. Even though it got really high reviews. I don't think that's... As much of a fail, though. Beyond Good and Evil got good reviews from everybody, but nobody purchased it. <laughs> E.T., that was a failure. Grim <laughs> Fandango, apparently. An unfortunate failure. Haven't played it yet, but I hear unfortunate failure. Yeah. Um, Okami, the Wii version wasn't very good, but, I mean, it got a sequel, so it couldn't have been that bad of a failure. Pac-Man for the Atari 2600. <laughs> the 2600. Yes, I played that one. <laughs> Psychonauts. I think I've heard of that. Shmooey. What? For the Dreamcast. What? Shenmooey. Oh. oh, I heard Shmooey. Yeah, so did I. <laughs> Sorry, I um, didn't know how you pronounce it. <laughs> the Last Express and uh, Re, Ages Beyond Mist. Okay, so one of those missed games. Okay. So there you go. If you want to know which games were commercial failures, look it up on... Um, the internet. On the internets. All of so them. So question number three? Yes. Well, mm-hmm. uh, oh, actually, it is kind of a question. Okay. Uh, so there have been countless times that I've been frustrated with an enemy or boss, mainly because of a certain attack they had. My question is, what are some of the most frustrating enemies or attacks that you have encountered in video games? Side note thingy, I really enjoyed watching the playthrough of the Back to the Future of the game, though I noticed <laughs> that there's no episode 5 posted, why you know post-fifth episode? Anywho, that's it for now. Sarah. Another Sarah mail from one of our Sarahs. Well, I can come up with a short list of enemies that bother the heck out of me. Uh, not even just attacks, just the enemies themselves. <laughs> if... Anyone has even come close to my game color review of Mega Man 10, you know that I have a lot of issues with the game, one of which is the enemies popping out of holes. Every single hole, there's an enemy popping out of it. When you're trying to jump over it? Yeah, and it's not just inconvenient, like, oh, I can put on the shield weapon and then that'll destroy them. They explode when you touch them. (laughs) So even the shield doesn't help you. So frustrating, overused. Also, one of the most frustrating boss battles I've ever had in my gaming career, Metroid Prime 2, going back to Echoes. The, ow, oh, what is the name so of it? So we're movie? echoing Echoes. Yes, we're echoing Echoes, and I am a shameful Metroid fan for not immediately coming up the Spider Ball Guardian. I believe, no, the, the Boost Ball, the, the Boost Ball Guardian? Nightmare? Was, okay, so, <laughs> so, so the, the premise of Metroid Prime 2 is that you find this sort of like parallel shadow planet and you're jumping back and forth between the regular planet and its shadow doppelganger. And in the shadow world, the very air depletes your health because it's just eating away at your armor. So there's this boss battle where you are constantly losing health against him, draining bit by bit. And he's got obnoxious attacks. and he, Oh, it is the Boost Ball Guardian. And he's blasting all over the place and just attacking you. And on hard mode, especially, where everything is just excessively difficult, not just hard, but excessively, unpleasantly difficult, I finally beat the boss, and then it gives me the little cutscene of, hooray, you beat him. And before I can actually walk to pick up my prize, I die, because the air kills me after I've won the boss battle. And that's just not right. That is always a pain when you die after after you kill the boss and then you die. Yeah. I can't remember when else that's happened, but I'm pretty sure that's happened to me too. 
Yeah, Lots of screaming. You get poisoned or something, and then, yeah. That was one of the problems with Castlevania, I think, sometimes, is um, you kill the boss. No, no, never mind, I take that back. I think Castlevania's been good about giving you the item which automatically heals you to full health immediately after you kill the boss. Well, uh, a lot of the earlier games, there were times where, like, you beat the boss, and then, like, oh, you know, the room is shaking, and it's about to end, and then you run out of time. You didn't stop the timer when I beat the boss, so I still die after I defeated them? Yeah, yeah. Like, ah, or, uh... Other things were, like, you beat the boss, but, like, their bullets are still moving around, so, like, you beat them, and then after... And then you get killed by their projectile. Yeah. So, um, I think those are, um, our complaints. Um, I also have to... Well, that doesn't have to deal with the boss moves, per se. It's, um, when the game kills you after you've killed the boss. (laughs) So, what are boss moves that we dislike? I know Paul hates it when the boss can heal himself. I was gonna say that one, or specifically... When the boss is not, like, a single enemy, but uh, uh, RPGs have a tendency to have at least one boss that is, like, three like pieces. Like hands and a head. Yes, and one of the yeah. hands can heal the three others. Spawns. yeah. Yeah. Right. When done right, those can add a nice little bit of variety to a game. Yeah, when done wrong, they're flat out annoying. There's uh, one particular boss move that I'm thinking of in Jedi Knight 3 Jedi Academy. If you're playing, it's a so first-person shooter and third-person shooter because you get a lightsaber and then go around hacking up stormtroopers and such. And at the very end of the game, if you have chosen the dark side path, you go up against. I'm not going to spoil this, but you go up against a good Jedi who grabs you by the seat of your pants and throws you across the room from time to time. And the time that it takes for this animation to execute is intolerable, because he does it every time you get close. So there's another annoying yeah, I hate... thing that no one can relate to because they haven't played this game. Yeah, uh, uh, here's another annoying thing that I bet nobody can relate to because they've never played this game. The final boss in Legend of Zelda uh, Twilight Princess... For some absurd reason, the way you defeat the final boss is by hitting him 50 times. That's all. So, I mean, that, I think that's just a little bit too much. Actually, uh, I recently actually am in the process of writing a review, which will probably be released uh, by the time that this podcast comes out, uh, for Evil Quest, uh, which, speaking of Crystalis, uh, Evil Quest is sort of a uh, spiritual successor. Spiritual successor. Yeah. Uh, to Crystallis. Yes, to Crystallis. Uh, and this time the end day is November 3rd, <laughs> 1990, 1999. Yes. Uh, Progress. Well, I always say Crystallis is one of my favorite uh, historical documentaries, you know? <laughs> so, uh, but anyway, uh, there are a number of bosses that, like, hit the ground, and the ground shakes, and if you're not jumping, then you get... Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And enemies that have moves like that were then like, you're frozen, and they're just stomping on you. I mean, actually, Evil Quest did it pretty decently, where by the time that they were hitting you, you were usually up and about again. Uh, But in a number of games, that's not the case. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. What about um, when they do the move where... You attack the enemy, but then it's almost impossible not to be immediately counterattacked. Oh, yeah. Because you have to get so close to the enemy to hit him. Uh, or where specifically, uh, 
if you attack them, then they have a counterattack to whatever you just did. Yeah, that's annoying. I, I, you know, my strategy usually, I think, is to, you know, move in quickly, land a hit, and then back away before he can counterattack. But in games where it's impossible to avoid a counterattack, it's basically, okay, whenever you want to land a hit, you're going to take damage. Yeah. I'm generally most annoyed, and this more applies to, to platformers than, well, I guess it applies to first-person shooters and other things, too. But just bosses where you have to wait unnecessarily, because there's a difference between having good timing and being a little bit patient and just needing to wait for things to happen. Bosses who hang out on the ceiling for a while, shooting stuff down at you, and you're like, when am I going to get a chance to shoot at him? Yeah, especially when, mm-hmm. like, dodging whatever they do is, like, easy, and you're just like, um, come down here. And if what if dodging them is hard, say like um, Iceman and Mega Man, Doctor Wily's Revenge, I think that was difficult. I could be wrong. It it's a very straightforward pattern. So if you're good at mm-hmm. memorizing patterns, it's actually not that bad at all. But otherwise, it's just relentless. No, I mean, um, are the patterns different? I think the pattern, the two patterns are different. In the NES version and the Game Boy version, it's it's basically the same pattern. Basically the same, though, yeah. Well, see, okay. Crash Man jumps when you shoot, so what you do is you jump and then shoot. Ah. Tricky. See, see. Okay, okay, whatever. <laughs> so I think I think what we've decided is um, attacks that are unavoidable. Those are ones we don't like. <laughs> are where you really can't. There's no way to avoid uh, taking damage. That's an unfair boss move. Yeah. So that was it for questions from... Oh, we didn't answer why we haven't uh, done episode 5, which, according to Paul, is because it just came out. Come on. Episode 4 just came out one week from today. When we're that recording is one it. week before today. So we're still working on okay, it. Okay, okay. We, so, we, we need to record it, though. So um, I don't know how long it's going to be before I can record it or... It should be the same length as all the other episodes, right? I don't know. Yeah, thereabouts. You haven't played Back to the Future, Jetty? No, I haven't played Back to the Future, the video game, episode 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. See, the final boss is relentless, where Biff has his power punch. Biff freezes you, dodge and it. then he heals himself. <laughs> yeah. And it takes a while. Then he grabs you by your pants, tosses you across the room. Takes forever. But you need to go back in time to before he healed himself. <laughs> That's the trick. And then, you know, hit him with your flying space... Not spaceboard. Skateboard? Hoverboard. <laughs> yeah, we, we've played this game before. So, Michael, you had talked about, when you were running the podcast previously, wrapping up with what games everybody's currently playing. Mm-hmm. So that's something we could do if we don't have any more comments to address. So the end of the podcast. Uh, so, uh, sorry. <laughs> Um, Nancy Drew, Warnings at Waverly Academy, um, Words with Friends, and um, I've got two more here. Ghost Trick Phantom Detective was recently released for the iPad, so I want to try that out. Because that game, it had, I wouldn't say fancy graphics, but very stylized graphics. Very unique, very interesting. I want to see what they look like in HD. Because, you know, the iPad obviously has a much bigger screen than the DS, so I want to see if the graphics look all that nice when they're much bigger. And where's Waldo for the iPad? <laughs> How is that? Believe it or not, I think it's just um, the actual books, but just scanned in. So not the NES game of 
whereas Blop... The NES game, yeah. It's basically, um, I think, I haven't played it yet, but I think somebody just scanned in the uh, pages from the various books, and you have to go through the pages and look for Waldo or all the other characters. Or his shoe. <laughs> Fun. Yeah, he loses a different item every single every single page, right? <laughs> that was in the first that was in the first original Where's Waldo. I didn't think they did that until the third book. They did with the one with the blue cover, right? And the third book is the red cover. No, the third book is the yellow cover because that was the Great Waldo Search. Second one was was that Find Waldo Now? Was the second one with the red cover where you also had the books scattered through everywhere and the first one was just Where's Waldo with the blue cover. Yeah, so that was the one I remember as the one where he loses items. However, I think what happened is I think you're probably right that they introduced it in the third book. And then he decided, hey, that's something easy we can put back into the first book and Mm. re-release it as a a new edition. I think that's exactly what happened. Why this is sticking in my head, because I seem to remember in Waldo Land, which I'm fairly confident was first introduced in The Great Waldo Search, you could tell which Waldo was the real Waldo amongst all of the imposters by the one who was missing his shoe. That's Mm -hmm. why that sticks in my head. So maybe that's all I'm connecting it with, and he doesn't actually lose all of his stuff all over the place first there. So anyway, it's been a long time since I've looked at Waldo books. Can you find them? I can find them on my shelf somewhere. (laughs) Okay, just wondering. Because if if you couldn't find them, then you'd be like, where's Waldo? Or no, you'd be, where's, where's Waldo? (laughs) Or I believe, where's Wally? If we're talking to our our friends across the pond. What? In Canada. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, what games am I playing? Uh, I just got done playing Evil Quest. And I play also a lot of Words with Friends and Tetris Battle. Uh, And actually, that's kind of about it. Tetris Battle, what system is that for? It's Facebook. Oh. <laughs> That's Don't my say that favorite too loud. system. <laughs> yes, uh, I beat a lot of Asian people. Nathaniel! I'm not, I'm We're not culturally sensitive that sentence. Yeah. Tetris for sure. iPad. Sure. Oh, $8 for Tetris for iPad? No way. I'm not, I'm not shelling that out, not without a free demo. So I'm I'm balancing my gaming time between stuff that I'm playing on my own and stuff that I'm showing to my wife because one of the great things touching back on the conversation that we were having earlier about getting the kids of the next generation and not like, you know, Worf's kid, but you know, the the children of the next gaming generation um to get involved in the games that we're playing. I I also like showing my wife the games that she's never played, never been exposed to. So we are gradually, whenever we feel like it, going through the original Half-Life, which she hasn't seen, and I've played once. And that's it's not as scary the second time around once you know where everything is, and you've also got the light on and somebody sitting next to you who you know you can talk to about, oh, that thing just sort of jumped out at us and killed us, didn't it? Huh? And <laughs> we just finished playing through the VGA remake of Space Quest Two a fan game that's been long in development. So very exciting for a Space Quest fan such as myself. And also for myself, I'm going through Mega Man Battle Network 2 because it just wouldn't be me if I wasn't playing through some Mega Man game. Although this is a new one uh, that I have not played before because I never really got into any of the spinoff series that didn't really involve platforming. So this mm-hmm. is more of a like a Pokemon RPG kind of a um, action-y. Game. Battle Network? Battle Network, yeah. So 
it's it's interesting. It's pretty good. Will not replace my love for the the classic series or the X series or any of that. But it's it's worthwhile so far. And playing through while everybody else is playing Skyrim, I am true to form. Two iterations back, playing the Elder Scrolls Three Morrowind. <laughs> Actually, I recently rediscovered this uh, CD that I've had since like 1998. That uh, a friend of mine. It was a uh, back when piracy was done through CDs that you got from your friends, uh, and it contains a whole bunch of games, including Arena, the first Elder Scrolls game, and I have totally been wanting to play that. And it's also available for download free now, I believe. Oh, it's boring. I know. <laughs> it makes your piracy totally illegitimate now. <laughs> I know, I mean... 1998, Disney produced Mulan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Michael. But, no, I I just remember uh, it was one of those games where their version of anti-piracy was requiring you to read... Like a certain word out of the manual. Well, presumably, if you bought the game, you'd have the manual. If you stole the game, you wouldn't have the manual. So that actually made sense. Yeah. And today, games don't have manuals at all. Well, they might, but nobody... Not as often as they used to. And they aren't as comprehensive as they used to. I've noticed all the manuals in the games I've purchased are basically just tech support on how to actually install the game and get it to run. Because realistically, anybody online who is interested at all in the game is going to write your user manual for you. Mm-hmm. All it takes is one FAQ, and you've got all the documentation you need. I still, I still would enjoy seeing like a characters section put into the little manual or something. Mm. Your parents help you set it up. Wow. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, that's it for the podcast. I gotta get going. Yeah. Uh, wait, hold on. Uh. Email us at podcastgamecola.net. Uh, visit us on YouTube, gc.net, with the word dot. Uh, vote for us on iTunes. Vote us five on iTunes and give us a review because you like us. Mm-hmm. Uh, and visit our actual internet website, www.gamecola.net. The end. Um, if you have any comments about unicorns it's or... Uh, no, it's games. totally the end. It has the ended. I have version 4.2.0.169. Oh, really? I, oh, 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 I've got you. I have version 5.8.59.158. Jinkies. I know. Wow, I've got 5.5.0.124. <laughs> <laughs>